Welcome back, everybody, to Unbashful, and as always, I'm your host, Nicholas Doucette, and I'm excited for another week and another opportunity for me to sit in front of this mic and in front of this camera. And ladies and gentlemen, you all know what this episode is about, the Batman. The Batman is here. It is finally out in theaters everywhere. Uh, I was fortunate enough to see it early yesterday, and this whole podcast is going to be essentially my review. I'm going to be discussing everything spoilers, so that is also your warning, by the way. Yes, I will be discussing spoilers, because by the time this episode comes out, it will be Sunday. And I think by then, most people that have been really anticipating this film will likely have seen it by Sunday. So, that is your warning. Um, Now, let's just jump right into it. This film was amazing. Um, It was was fucking magnificent. Uh, I, I really can't say it any better than that. Um, it exceeded my expectations. I tried to leave my expectations or I try to keep them under control. Usually I can, um, like for, for Spider-Man, I was able to keep them under control, but for this film, I just wasn't, uh, I I've been looking forward to this film for three years, ever since Robert Pattinson was, uh, when the, when the news broke out that he was cast to play Batman, I've just been on board and uh, for, those, for those of you who do not know, Batman is my favorite superhero. As a collection of superheroes and as like a universe of superheroes, Marvel has always been my favorite. But just one individual superhero, Batman is, has always been my favorite. And I have just been just waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, we've seen it. And it, like I said, it was very hard for me to keep my expectations under control. I couldn't really turn my brain off. I was just ecstatic. So the fact that this film exceeded my expectations, uh, that's really a testament to how amazing it was and how how well directed it was. And the performances were insanely good. They were amazing. And we're going to get into that in in more detail in a bit. Uh, But just to kind of go through the cast here, for those of you who aren't too familiar with everybody involved. So we have Matt Reeves. He's the director. We have Greg Frazier. Love Greg Frazier. He, he's the cinematographer for this film. He also was the cinematographer for Dune. Uh, and I think Prisoners as well, but I could be mistaken. Then obviously we have Robert Pattinson playing Batman. We have Jeffrey Wright playing Commissioner Gordon. We have Paul Dano playing uh, the Riddler. Zoe Kravitz playing Catwoman. Colin Farrell playing Penguin. We're going to talk about him uh, in detail because his performance was fantastic as well. Everybody down, down the wire was great. Don Tutur- John Turturro as Carmine Falcone, Andy Serkis as uh, Alfred. So, that's the cast, and yeah, this, just kind of getting back to my thoughts here, um, I thought the film was very dark, uh, I, I've heard a lot of comparisons to Seven, and yes, I I do feel like this film was very similar to Seven, especially with the way it ended, because if you look at the way Seven ended... Uh, I, I forget the name of um, of like the serial killer, but he wins, but he also loses, right? He loses in the, in, in the aspect of like, he gets killed and then, but if he wasn't going to get killed then he was going to go to prison because he was caught, but then he also kind of won because unfortunately he massacred uh, Brad Pitt's wife's character, Gwyneth Paltrow. So in a weird, sick way, he won and he lost. And that was sort of the case with the Riddler. The Riddler was in custody. He was arrested by the police. He was put in Arkham Asylum. But his plan unfolded, right? He was able to rally his 
his disciples that were all trying to kill the mayor and then he was able to flood the city with water. So in a weird way, his plan did happen. It unfolded. Um, but he also lost at the same time. So very, very similar to Seven. And also similar to Seven in other aspects as well. Like with the detective, uh, you know, with the, with the detective aspect and things of that nature. Which we'll get into as well. Um, but I love this film. I'm going to go see it again tonight. Uh, a friend of mine who couldn't come yesterday with with, uh, with, with my other friends. He, Him and I are going to go see it tonight. And I, I just want to see it again personally. So... Looking forward to that, and I think I'm gonna enjoy it even more on my on my second viewing. Now let's get into the runtime because I'm I'm hearing a lot of people complain about the runtime. For me, I thought the film flowed elegantly. I really didn't have an issue. Uh, it, it is a long movie, objectively. I mean, it's a three-hour film. It, it is definitely a lot to take in, but. If I compare it to films like The Godfather, which The Godfather is one of the greatest films ever made, but that film at times, at least to me personally, it does have some periods in that film where it can drag, uh, but this film really didn't, it really just didn't skip a beat. Um, there wasn't really any point where I felt the film was slowing down. I mean, it's also, it's it's not like a super high action-packed Batman movie. But it keeps you compelled with the detective work, the the scenes where we see Batman, because we see a lot of Batman in this as well. I think this is probably the most Batman you see in a Batman film, and the least Bruce Wayne you see in a Batman film. Like when in Batman Begins and The Dark Knight Rises, those two films in particular, you get a lot of Bruce Wayne. I would probably say it's almost like a it's like a 60 40 split or maybe even like 50 50 like you see a lot of bruce wayne in those films you see very very little bruce wayne in this film and matt reeves described that pretty well and it actually made a lot of sense once i watched it excuse me he said that this batman since he's in year two he's like addicted to being batman and, and there's a couple reasons why he's you know addicted excuse me I just had to drink some water there. Um, but let me just see here where I'm at. I, I want to keep my thoughts here organized. Okay, yeah. So we'll get back to that 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 uh, topic with, with Bruce Wayne and Batman. I, I want to get back to the runtime. So when the film ended, I, uh, my friend who was sitting to, to my right, Shezwin, who's actually been on this podcast a couple of times, he looked at me and he said, like, it's over? Like, that's it? And not in a way like, oh, thank God it's over. Like he was saying it in a way like, wow, like I thought there was going to be more. Like I, I thought, like I thought the film was going to keep going. Um, and that's exactly how I felt. And that just goes to show like the three hours for me at least. And I don't want to speak for him, but I, I mean, I think he probably feels the same way. It wasn't an issue. And the film probably could have kept going in my opinion. Um, but that is kind of the one complaint I'm hearing people say is the runtime. Uh, I did have to, it was funny. I, I did have to use the bathroom at one point. Um, and it was so embarrassing. I literally, I think I stepped on someone's foot on my way down the aisle. Um, and that could always kind of be an anxiety inducing thing. You know, when you have to leave to go to the restroom during, during the film and there's like a hundred people in the theater and you like, you feel like all eyes are on you. Um, but I, yeah, I, I couldn't see it was so dark. And I literally think I stepped on somebody's foot. I, so literally, like I'm, I'm sorry, you know, my bad. 
And then when I came back after using the bathroom, I went up the wrong aisle. So then I totally just disrupted people's viewing. Uh, I, I went up one aisle higher because I couldn't see my friends because we were in like the middle of the aisle. Um, so, you know, if we were kind of towards the stairs, it would have been, been a little bit easier for me to identify them, but I couldn't really see them. So I thought I was going down the correct aisle and I got there in the middle and I was just standing in front of people. And I was like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Like, where are they? And then I, I saw them. They were down there. Uh, I was contemplating just climbing over my seat. I just, I don't know. The last thing I want is to like trip and fall down the fucking theater. That would have been really embarrassing. So then I had to walk back and, you know, get in front of people again and, and then go back to my seat. So that was kind of embarrassing. But even that sequence that I went to the restroom for, I missed a pretty significant scene. Uh, my friend Sheswin told me that Alfred got like, like bombed or something. Like he didn't die. But then we see after that he's, he's in the hospital. Can you imagine if they would have killed Alfred in the first film? That would have been a bad choice, but no, Alfred is fine. Um, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's so hard to step away, whether it's to use the restroom or eventually if you watch this film at home, it's hard to step away to like grab something to eat or whatever. Because like I said, the film does not stop. It keeps on going. There's always something happening. And that to me, I think that's, that's great. And the fact that a three-hour film could accomplish that, it could keep you on the edge of your seat the whole time, that is just fantastic. Um, now, of course, there's never been a film that's been loved by everybody, right? There's people that hate Forrest Gump. There's people that hate The Godfather. There's people that hate uh, Shawshank Redemption. So that's just how it is. All film is subjective. Um, and, and it's no disrespect for those people that don't like those films. Everybody's opinion holds the same weight. Uh, there's no opinion that's more valid than another, right? So there will be people that will watch this film and it just won't be for them. But with that being said, I think that this is a film that if you're a fan of the theatrical experience and if you're a fan of cinema, you need to watch this film. It it was amazing. Like, I, I don't know what else to say that hasn't been said because I'm sure most of you have probably seen hundreds of other YouTubers and content creators sharing their thoughts. Like, I don't know what else to say to describe my, my love for this film. And I'm probably going to see it several more times. Um, now I'll just, I'll address the elephant in the room because I'm sure everywhere you go on the internet, you've probably seen somebody comparing this film to the dark Knight. I have my own personal feelings on that, but I'm going to say that for the end of the episode, because that, that's a pretty beefy, topic and discussion and I really want to kind of have that properly and save that for the last so we'll talk about that towards the end of this, of this episode but we will address that um, now as for the setting of this film this takes place in Batman's second year of being Batman and I thought that was a really good choice and we're starting to see um, other superhero films do that as well. We saw that with Tom Holland's Spider-Man. It just picked up with him being Spider-Man. It didn't show, you know, Uncle Ben getting shot or whatever. And that is, we're, we're seeing that formula with, with this Batman as well. And I think from a narrative perspective, they wouldn't have been able to tell the story they wanted to in this film if they had, if they had done, you know, the storyline of showing Thomas and Martha Wayne getting shot in Crime Alley and seeing the pearls fly off Martha Wayne's neck and, and whatever. 
they could have done that this this story in particular, but it probably would have been the second film in this trilogy. So I'm really, really glad we didn't see that again. Of course, they reference it. They have to. But you don't see it, right? This film begins with Batman right away fighting other, other, other uh, criminals. In fact, the first time you see Batman on screen is that uh, scene that we've seen in the trailers when, uh, when, when he beats up those, those, uh, those kids or, well, he beats up that one guy in particular. He's kind of leading this gang. They all have like face paint on. And then he, you know, he looks at the camera and he says, I'm vengeance. That little altercation is the first uh, time we're introduced to seeing Batman in this film. And this, this Batman movie is literally like the perfect representation of the comic books and a new approach to the character of Batman because this is a character we've seen many, many times, right? We've had obviously Christian Bale, who's who's regarded as the best Batman by most people, but that may change with this. But Christian Bale, obviously uh, Michael Keaton, you know, going back way, way back, Adam West. I think he was the first Batman. Uh, George Clooney, who I think was my least favorite. And then we have Val Kilmer. Oh, and Ben Affleck, of course. Can't forget about Ben Affleck. Um, so it's it's hard when you're approaching a property like this, an IP like this. You need to find a way to make it fresh and make it feel new. And I think Matt Reeves did that incredibly well, right? You know, if they would have done the whole, you know, origin story again, I would have watched it. Um, and I'm sure... It might have still been a good film, but I'm really, really happy they told this story from the immediate perspective of this is year two Batman. He's still learning. He's still trying to figure out, uh, you know, the suit, the fighting, everything. He's still learning. And we see him make mistakes in this film, like the scene when uh, he pulls out sort of like the bat wings, but then he, he tries to pull the parachute and gets caught in the bridge and then he just eats shit and he falls to the ground. And he, we see that he's making some mistakes, and uh, but at least we don't have to see him, you know. I, I mean, if they were to do an origin tale, I don't know if they would do Ra's al Ghul and, and the League of Shadows and all that. But we don't have to see any sort of form of that being repeated. Um, and then I think they also released some kind of novel before the film came out that was showing like an official Warner Brothers Batman prequel novel that shows um, how Bruce Wayne learned how to fight. And I, I think or I think Bruce. Sorry, not Bruce. I think um, Alfred actually taught him how to fight, which is really, really cool. Um, and I think they even said that in the novel that Batman built the Batmobile like from scratch. It wasn't like the Tumblr with you know Wayne Enterprises and Lucius Fox, you know, giving it to uh, to Bruce Wayne. Speaking of Lucius Fox, I've heard I've talked about this with my friends. I don't think we're gonna see him in this trilogy. We might. It's possible. Like maybe maybe he gets hired in, in in the second film to work at Wayne Enterprises, and and then maybe that's when Batman needs a new suit. And then I don't know. They could do that, but I I, I don't know why. I just um, I have a gut feeling we're not going to see him in this uh, in this new universe. But that remains to be seen. Um. Yeah, and the comparisons to uh, Zodiac Seven Saw. I, I've already talked about Zodiac or uh, Seven, but uh, the comparisons to Zodiac relate to the Riddler. Um, the Riddler's outfit is actually very similar to the Zodiac and just kind of what he does is, is within that nature of the Zodiac. I mean, 
he has these riddles, he has these puzzles that he leaves for the, the for the police and, and Batman to solve. That's very similar to what the Zodiac did. He he sent the police and he sent um, news reporters and, and, and people ciphers to solve. And it literally took them like, I think they just solved them for the first time. And, and, and I think he's dead now or something. But so sort of the, the purpose, I guess, of what the Riddler was doing. Uh, very, very similar to the Zodiac Killer. Um, and then Saw... I definitely see those com- those comparisons with uh, a lot of the the traps that the Riddler uses in this film to kill uh, his victims. Very similar to Saw. There was one trap um, when I think one of the detectives, it was the second individual that he killed. He literally put uh, like a helmet on his head and it was like a maze. It had all these little loopholes and then connected to this mask on his head was a tube that had rats going through it and going through his helmet and essentially eating his face. So very, very Saw-esque. Um, and just an incredibly dark film. Uh, it was rated PG-13, but I'm honestly surprised. They were treading on thin ice with that PG-13 rating. Like They said fuck a couple times in this film. I guess the thing that didn't really push it to that R rating was there, there wasn't really like... Like you didn't see any breasts, you didn't see any nudity i mean there was subtle nudity you kind of saw like there was a point when batman was kind of being like a little bit of like a like a peeping tom he was he was spying on catwoman he was literally watching her get dressed um and you didn't see any nudity but you kind of like saw like her nipple a little bit other than that though uh really nothing no nudity no sex obviously um and no 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 blood, no like gore or anything like that. So if that was in the film, yes, it would have been rated R. But I mean, it's it's also tough. Like from from a business perspective, like it's Batman at the end of the day. You can't make Batman an R-rated film. As much as we, the adult viewers, would love to see that, you also have to think about kids, right? Kids love Batman. I've loved Batman ever since I was a kid. So I, if I was like 12, 10 years old, I would be pretty disappointed to know that, uh, that I wouldn't be able to see this film. At least not for a while. So... I get the choice of having it rated PG-13. It didn't impact this film at all. Um, it didn't make it bad. It, uh, it it didn't make it better. It's just it it's it was it is what it is, right? Um, now a lot of people discuss the detective aspects of this film. This film is very very heavy on that, you know, searching for clues and and, and Batman is a very this is a very very smart Batman, and and we've seen you know little glimpses of the detective aspect of Batman, because Batman has always, has always been known as, you know, the, I forget the, I forget the term, uh, it's like the, the best detective or something in the comics, um, I'm not super familiar with the comics, but, I mean, I mean, I think DC stands for detective comics, right, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong in the comments section, but we've seen little glimpses of the detective side of Batman, like we've seen some stuff in, you know, uh, the Dark Knight trilogy, and, uh, and, and, and even Ben Affleck, but we've never, they've never really fully kind of gone down that alley and they, they definitely do it in this film. Um, that's why like, this isn't the most action packed Batman you've seen. The action scenes are phenomenal. And because there's not as much, you almost appreciate them more when they happen. Um, but that does not mean that this film is slow by any means because the, the detective journey that Bruce Wayne and uh, Jeffrey Wright's com- or, uh, Lieutenant Gordon go through together. Speaking of which, we'll speak on their partnership shortly. Um, it was really, really captivating. And it really kept me at the edge of my seat. Um, Gotham. 
This is another big one. I've heard a lot of people say that Gotham in and of itself is a character. 1000% agree. This was the best portrayal of Gotham City I've ever seen. Aside from like the Arkham games, this is like the closest thing I've ever seen to it. It, it was magnificent from, uh, the, from the visuals of how it looked. Even Bruce Wayne's house just screams Gotham. Like it's just very like, I don't even know how to like to like describe it. Um, like medieval kind of. I don't even know if that's the right term. Um, just like, yeah, just very like dark and it just screamed Batman and Gotham in, in, in his house. Whereas like the Christian Bale Nolan films, I always just had a problem with like, I get the film was really trying to be grounded and realistic. And so is this film as well. But it literally just felt like I was watching Batman in Chicago because that's where they film most of the the Nolan films was in Chicago. It, it it just didn't scream Batman to me. It didn't have that dark criminal kind of tone. It sort of did in Batman Begins when when Batman goes through the Narrows, but other than that, like it just it didn't really feel like Gotham City at all. It just felt like a normal city to me. Um, so I'm glad this film really made you feel like you were there in Gotham City, uh, and and I loved it. Uh, moving on to performances um i thought the uh, the performances across the board were incredible every actor was tremendous I, I i don't think there was any outliers or wasn't anybody that didn't look like uh they fit in everyone was was masterful um i'm gonna get to robert pattinson obviously but let's address you know the supporting characters first and then we'll, we'll get to him jeffrey wright love jeffrey wright as commissioner gordon um i spoke to I'm not going to say his name, but I spoke to my one friend yesterday and, and he had a, it was a valid criticism, but I thought it was kind of funny. He essentially described Gordon as sort of Batman's liaison. He was, he was basically saying like Batman was, he would say something very vague and very hard to understand. And then Gordon would, would sort of, you know, explain to everybody what he was saying. I mean, that is, that is true. Like that, but I, I did think that was kind of funny. Um, but you know, all jokes aside, I really did like, uh, uh, Bruce Wayne or Batman's chemistry with Commissioner Gordon. I honestly enjoyed it more than I think I did with the uh, with the Christian Bale and God, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on Commissioner Gordon's name for the Nolan films. Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. What is it? What is it? What is it? It's going to come back to me. It's going to come back to me. Um, yeah, but anyways, the Christian, the Christian Bale and Commissioner Gordon dynamic, I enjoyed that. I thought it was good. There, there was definitely some, uh, some, some levity and some, uh, some trust between them because they could trust each other, obviously. Because and that's that's a big thing we also see in this film because we actually find out that they're out of all the the, you know, the Gotham corruption that we've seen in, in some other films has been explored. The most corruption I've ever seen is in this Gotham, all the way down to the district attorney Colson that we see. This guy is literally partying at so there's the iceberg lounge that's like the main mob club where all like you know guys like penguin and, and falcone hang out but then there's like a level below it's even more vip and that i mean it's all owned by falcone but like that's where he sorry i said that penguin does hang out in the iceberg lounge but then there's like that vip level below that he also goes to as well which is where falcone mostly hangs out and literally in that vip level which is down at this level it's all just corrupt comps and, and, and criminals and mob guys, you see the DA, the district attorney of Gotham City hanging out down there. So it's really, really hard to trust a, to trust most cops because they're under that payroll of Falcone. And Gordon is kind of one of the few that's actually there for the right cause. So 
I really, really enjoyed um, his banter, his back and forth with Batman. He's sort of able to kind of bring him back to Earth because there's a scene when uh, after the when Coulson gets gets killed with the bombing, Batman obviously passes out and then they bring him back to the station and they're literally about to take off his mask and then that's when he wakes up and then he's about to lose. He's, he's out of control. He's about to beat the shit out of any comp that steps in front of him and then Gordon has to tell him like, relax, like think about what you're doing here, right? And I, I really, really like that dynamic between him in uh, in Batman. Um, Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle. Uh, she was amazing. Um, I, I I really really like Michelle Pfeiffer as 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 Catwoman. Um, I, I never saw Halle Berry's portrayal as Catwoman. I heard that film wasn't incredibly successful, but we all know the you know the the um, the stature and the the uh, the respect and how talented of a performer Halle Berry is. So I don't think we're gonna hold that against her with her Catwoman uh, performance. She was probably just following the the direction that, that was guided to her, similar to with George Clooney and his portrayal as Batman, because we all know that the caliber of an actor that George Clooney is. Um, so we're not going to hold that one against him as well. But uh, yeah, not to get off track here, Zoe Kravitz was fantastic as Catwoman and as Selena Kyle. Uh, she was very different than, than all the other Catwoman, which I mean, that's what you want, obviously, in a new portrayal of the character. Um, we're first introduced to her in this club, right? In the Iceberg Lounge, and she's like a server for Penguin. Uh, and then we actually find out that she is the daughter of Carmine Falcone. Um, but she doesn't support him. She fucking hates him. Uh, because obviously he's he's terrible. He kills people. He's, he's a murderer. He, and he's he's just a bad person. Um, then next we got Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell's a penguin. I mean, I'm sure you've heard this everywhere. But he was unrecognizable, right? The the makeup and the prosthetic team, what they were, be, what they were able to put together was just amazing. He wasn't over the top. Like, uh, every time I'm doing this podcast, I literally always forget actors' names. But I always know them when I'm not shooting. When, like, I don't know. Danny DeVito, that's his name. Um, Danny DeVito's performance, obviously, was was iconic. I mean, you know, he had the... He, he lived in the sewers and he had, like, he literally had penguin hands. So, it wasn't that kind of over the top. But I still loved Colin Farrell. I think Colin Farrell is, is the best penguin we've seen thus far. And I'm just fascinated that Colin Farrell, because Colin Farrell has a very thick Irish accent, and I was just fascinated to see the dialect and how his voice sounded in this film. Like, it was incredible. It really just is a testament to how talented of a performer he is. Like, it's just insane. You'd think, like, somebody with that strong of an accent, I just couldn't see him doing this sort of, like, thick kind of like New York, like, what are you doing there? Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's a, a bad, you know, representation, but it's sort of along those lines, obviously a lot better than mine. Um, but yeah, I was just really, really impressed by Colin Farrell. And I think Robert Pattinson for me is is like the, the standout of this film. But if I had to pick a second, you know, actually, I think I would go with Paul Dano as, as, as the second standout to me. And then I think third as, as, a, as a highlight, I would definitely go, uh, Penguin, and I'm really, really excited to see his uh, his show that he's getting on HBO Max, which we'll talk about later. Um, next, uh, Alfred. Yeah, really, really liked Alfred in this film. I wish we would have saw seen him a little bit more, but I think we're going to see more of him in the sequel. Uh, now, for me, I think Michael Caine is still probably my favorite Alfred, but I do believe that once we, once I see more of 
uh, oh my gosh, see, I'm drawing a blank again. Once we see more of Andy Circus as this Alfred in this universe, I think he, I think I'm I think he's going to become my new favorite personally. Um, and, and we see that this Alfred, he's got some bruises, he's got some cuts, maybe signaling some kind of military background. We don't know. I think in the comics he was like ex special forces or something. I could be wrong about that. Um, but that's really, really cool. And as I touched on earlier in the prequel novel, they actually explain that he taught Bruce how to fight. So that's also very interesting. Um, next, Paul Dano. Really, really love Paul Dano. I'm a huge fan of his from his performance alongside Daniel Day-Lewis and There Will Be Blood uh, and then Prisoners. Those are two films for me that really, really stand out. I think he's one of the most underrated actors. I don't think enough people talk about Paul Dano. He was... Just absolutely incredible. I just want to... What was this? There we go. Pen's not working. I like to keep track here of my topics by just kind of circling what I've talked about here. Next. The best part of this film. Robert Pattinson. Um, I've, I mean, I've already talked about how much I loved his performance. But he was fucking awesome. As Batman and Bruce Wayne. And, and even the few scenes that we see. Because as I mentioned before. Matt Reeves discussed this early version that we see of Batman. As, as, a, as someone that's obsessed with being Batman. And I think the reason why. Is because you can tell that this guy is still very damaged. He's still processing the murder of his mother and father. right? And he grew up without them. It's not that I can... I, I don't, I can't relate to this, of course, but I can only imagine like growing up without your family or sorry, without your parents specifically missing that guidance, that adult figure in your life that could be very detrimental to your development as a human being. So we could definitely see that he's still suffering from that. And I think he's using Batman, this character sort of like as an outlet to unleash that aggression and to stop other people from doing in committing potential crimes to other people that happened to his mother and father. So I think that's why Matt Reeves was describing him as being addicted. And I loved it. I, I mean, for as, as an audience member, I thought it was absolutely incredible. Seeing Batman, literally, I would say we see Batman like 95% of this film. Like 95% of this film, he's in the Batsuit. And, you know, there's a, little, there's a little gray area in there when we see Bruce Wayne kind of out and about. We rarely see him in public, though. That, that I will say. Um, this... This version of Bruce Wayne that we see is very, very different from the few scenes that we saw. But he's very, very different from, you know, Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne and, and Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne. He's not this, like, playboy. Uh, and, and the problem I always had with those other films... I mean, albeit, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's still fiction, right? I, you have to remind yourself that. But for somebody that really struggles with trauma, maybe even PTSD and things of that nature... I always found it weird how these past iterations of Bruce Wayne have just been able to like, like with a flick of their finger, just turn that off and be not perfectly fine, but be this like asshole douchebag, you know, I got all the money in the world. And then when it's time to be Batman, like it's time to be Batman. It's like a flick of a switch. You know what I'm saying? But with this Batman, even when you're seeing Bruce Wayne as Bruce Wayne, you still kind of see Batman in him, if that makes any sense. Like you could still see that sort of anger and, and, and unsettlement in his you know, face and his body language, right? He's not just a completely different person. And I get that some people like that. Some people like that, that sort of division between having 
the character. It's almost like two characters in one person, right? You, you, you have the Bruce Wayne sort of personality, and then you have obviously Batman. But you could tell that Batman, Bruce Wayne is Batman, even when he's kind of Bruce Wayne, if that makes any sense. Like, he, yeah, he's not kicking ass in public, but from an emotional perspective, you can still see that sort of resemble on his face. But uh, I don't want to ramble on about that. Um, what else here? Yeah, and, and he is very quiet, very soft-spoken in this film. Like, we, like, definitely the fewest lines we, we've seen out, out of Bruce Wayne. Like, yeah, he speaks. And overall, I, I do like his voice. I think it's it's right in that perfect area. It's not as, like, as, you know, Christian Bale. But it's also not just, like, underwhelming. Like, George Clooney. Like, hey, Freeze. It's me. Bruce Wayne, Batman, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's not just... It's not just Robert Pattinson saying, I'm Batman. It's You feel like it's Bruce Wayne. Like, that, that that's really a, something else I could say. Like, for a lot of films... And I'm sure people can relate to this. They may watch a, you know, a big studio film or, or a big film that has, like, a really, really well-known actor. And it's like, you don't see the character. You just see the actor, Right? Like, I, I heard a lot of people say that about the Jack Reacher film with Tom Cruise. Like, you don't see Jack Reacher, you see Tom Cruise, right? You don't have any of that with this film. When you look at uh, Robert Pattinson in this film, you see Bruce Wayne. When you look at him in the Batsuit, you see him in the Batsuit. When you look at Colin Farrell, you see the Penguin. You see Oswald Cobblepot. You don't see Colin Farrell. When you look at Paul Dano as a Riddler, you don't see Paul Dano. You see Edward Nashton. You see the Riddler. When you look at Zoe Kravitz, you see Selena Kyle, right? And so on and so on. So that's another really, really great aspect and great compliment I can give to that film. It's, it's, the performers are amazing. The direction is amazing. I, I actually just watched uh, the Planet of the Apes films recently, not to get off track. I've been trying to get caught up on Matt Reeves' films and su such well-directed films, like amazing. And, and obviously Andy Serkis did a lot of the, the mocap for those films. So it's good to see him back. Uh, and we know that he's familiar with working with Matt Reeves. And I also I also just found out that he directed Cloverfield, which is one of my favorite monster kaiju films as a kid. So, anyways, not to get off track here. Uh, yeah. Um, I just want to make sure I hit everything here on the nose. Yeah, and, and, and a great example, because when I say he's introverted and he's, he's very soft-spoken, he's very reserved... Really, really does show off in that funeral scene. And in a little snippet of that funeral scene, we, we we have seen it in trailers. and They released a clip of it online. But we really, really see that he... Before he enters the building, he's confronted by Penguin and uh, Carmine Falcone. And you could just see the anger in his, in his eyes. And he's just very... He says very, very few words. You could tell that he's a man that he will only speak if he feels like he really, really has something like heavy and weightful to say and as soon as he steps out of the car you can just see like he looks uncomfortable he just looks like agitated you, you can see the reporters immediately noticing like yo it's bruce wayne and he's just like, eh, like leave me alone you know what i mean so but then once he steps inside this sort of like cathedral where the funeral's happening he doesn't say a word in that scene you have seen online uh but yeah he he's a very very um, shy Bruce Wayne to, to, to a degree, obviously, you know, he's, he's a superhero by night, uh, and he kicks ass and all that, but he just doesn't really seem like he likes to interact too much with, uh, with society. He seems very, very isolated in that regard. Um, 
yeah, the funeral scene was was great. Um, we 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 do see that Coulson, the 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 DA that I mentioned, he comes in in the van because he gets kidnapped by the Riddler, and that scene was so intense. Oh my god, let me talk about that scene for a second. When literally, I think he's given like three minutes to solve like three riddles, and Batman literally gives him the answer for two, and the third he the third is Coulson just has to give up. You know, names and people associated with Carmine Falcone, but like we see right there that he can't do that because he knows that he's a dead. He even says, like, I'm a dead man either way, right? At least if I don't rat, he's not going to kill my family. He's not going to hurt my family. So it really kind of shows like the fear and the control and almost like the dictator that is uh, Carmine Falcone. And then I, know, I, I did find this kind of weird. Then the bomb goes off and then he dies. But then Batman's literally like, th okay, this is the mic. This is the mic that I'm using. Picture this as the guy with the bomb around his neck in the film. Batman is literally this close to him. The bomb goes off. That would kill anybody within the vicinity. He just survives. No scratch on his face. Nothing. That is my only complaint about this film. Batman took so much damage and not a single, you know wound or or anything to sort of reflect that right but i mean you know whatever i can look past that that is literally my only sort of nitpick i, I can come up with batman was immortal at, at points in this film yeah because i even i even talked about it with my friends like he survived that he got up perfectly from that but then when he took a shotgun to his body armor and that was the thing that kind of put him knocked him out for for, for, for a brief period of time. So I thought that was kind of funny. But other than that, film was perfect. Um, anyways, let's continue on here. Uh, let me just make sure here. Um, yeah, so, okay, so we got Bruce Wayne. Uh, overall, like, this performance was definitely one of my favorites from Robert Pattinson, but I would still say that I think uh, The Lighthouse is still my favorite performance. That was just, like once in a lifetime that was just incredible but make no mistake this was still like a master class performance of, of acting at its finest so make no mistake this was still an incredibly great performance by robert Pattinson. but i would still give that slight edge to uh, the lighthouse personally for me but who knows maybe on a second viewing tonight i might change my mind because a lot of things a lot of things could really change when you watch a film for a second time, right? A third and a fourth and a fifth time. I mean, at that point, that's just, you know, nothing is really going to change, but a second viewing could really kind of change things. It can make you actually enjoy the film less, or it can make you find a newfound appreciation for the film. So we'll see what happens tonight. I definitely don't think I'm going to enjoy it less. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to, uh, to watching it again. So let's get here to the next topic. The Batsuit. This is something I really, really do want to talk about. Um, the Batsuit is growing on me. It's not my favorite, though. Um, as much as I do like it, I, I still do think that Ben Affleck's Batsuit... I'm not saying Ben Affleck as Batman. I'm saying Ben Affleck's Batsuit is still probably my favorite. But I do think that... Second viewing... Maybe even in the in, in the sequel, we'll get a new suit. Probably will, because you know Matt Reeves described that this bat suit is is very 
particular, you know, you could tell that Bruce Wayne put it together himself. If you look at the shoulder pads, it almost looks like he took it from like a SWAT uniform. So it's very homemade, if you will. Um, and, and we, we will for sure see a new suit. And I do really like the suit in this film. I, I'm a big fan of the cowl. I do really, I think the cowl and the chest part are probably my favorites. I'm still, you know, I, the gauntlets on his forearms are still, you know, still growing on me. Not, not a huge fan of those. Um, but I, I do like it. I do like it. I think it's better than the Christian Bale Batsuit. I've always had a huge issue with the Nolan Batsuit, especially the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises Batsuit. I don't know why. It just didn't... It looked more of like a ninja outfit rather than a bat a Batman outfit. In fact, like the bat symbol is so small and it kind of like is hard to notice and see. Like this bat suit, like the bat suit is is right there. It even has like a purpose. Like you, he takes it out in the film, literally uses it as a knife, because when the Riddler floods the city, he floods the stadium, and there's literally a wire coming down to the water. And of course, if, the, if that electrical wire touches the water, makes contact with the water, everybody in the water will die. So Batman jumps across from this balcony, lands on the wire, pulls out. It, it, the knife, which is his, the bat symbol and cuts the wire. So it has like a use, it has a purpose and it's very easy to see. And it looks very similar to the Arkham video games, uh, Arkham symbol. So I do really like it. it it's, it's, it's my second favorite bat suit. I, I would say now, like I said, I'm sure over time, it'll eventually kind of take that number one spot. And, and, but it, it's still growing on me when I first saw the bat suit, like two years ago, when, when, when first images got leaked, of them filming, I was not a big fan of it. Uh, but when you see something behind the scenes, you have to kind of tame the. You, you sort of have to hold back those criticisms a bit because I had that same sort of reaction when I saw the uh, the Batgirl photos that came out several months ago, and we saw the the outfit that the Batgirl will be wearing. I was not a big fan of it, but I think once we see it on screen in a film in that sort of environment, I'll probably change my mind, and I certainly did for this film. Um, but yeah, I want to be clear. I'm talking about the Batsuit. Just because I like Ben Affleck's Batsuit more, I'm not saying I like Ben Affleck's Batman better. This right now, Robert Pattinson is my favorite Batman I've ever seen all time. He's my favorite Batman. I think he is just... Like, it is the... It's literally a page right out of the comics. Right out of comics such as like The Long Halloween, Hush... Just so amazing. I just didn't think we would ever see something like this, right? It is the most comic book accurate, grounded, dark portrayal of the character we, that we've seen in, in, in Gotham and everything surrounding Bruce Wayne in the storyline. It, it's, it's the most Batman we've seen. But the suit, though, I still really, really do like Ben Affleck's Frank Miller-inspired uh, Batman Returns suit. But who knows? My opinion could change over time. Uh, next, we are going to move on to the ending of this film and the Joker tease. And I'm going to discuss some theories I have and we're going to speculate about what could happen in the future films. So yes, we did get a Joker tease in this film. Um, and of course, that the Joker is now being played by Barry Keegan. Now, I've heard some people pronounce his name as Keegan. I don't, I'm not quite sure the way it's spelt to me, I'm going to pronounce it for the meantime as Keegan and correct me if I am wrong, somebody out there watching in the comment section. Um, but yeah, so 
for those people that for those of the people similar to me who kind of keep up with the production, keep up with the news, well, a lot of people first found out that Barry Keegan was involved in this film and was cast for a very unknown role. A lot of people speculated that he was going to be playing the Mad Hatter because I think he posted some photo on social media of like him standing like against a wall and like on the wall there's like a drawing of a hat. Maybe that was intentional to mislead us, probably. And then apparently on the call sheet, his name was listed as like some officer. So different kind of conflicting reports and in, in, in theories and speculation. But we do know that that was all, a, you know, whatever, a gag to sort of hide the true identity that Barry Keegan is in fact playing the Joker. And I really, really liked the way they introduced his character. In this film is very subtle. You didn't really see his face, um, but it really kind of gets the blood going, gets the excitement going. Now, a lot of people didn't really want to see another Joker anytime soon. And look, I can understand that, but this is Batman at the end of the day. You have to have Joker at some point be introduced to the to this character. They can't do a three-film arc and not have the Joker a part of it in some degree. And me personally, I have no problem seeing another Joker, right? I mean we have like three Batman simultaneously, uh, you know, in live action because we also have Ben Affleck coming and then we have Michael Keaton returning as well. Or should I say Ben Affleck returning? I said coming as if he hasn't already been Batman before. So if we can have multiple Batman on screen at different points throughout the year. We can have other Jokers. So I have no problem. Uh, with another Joker coming. And I certainly don't have a problem with Barry Keegan playing the Joker. For me, no issues there. I think he's an incredibly fascinating, talented actor. If any of you really want to watch a good movie, uh, check out The Killing of the Sacred Deer. He's in that film with Colin Farrell too, funny enough. And he's very, very weird. Very Yeah, the film was very weird. Uh, but weird in a, in a good way. Like very much psychological kind of tormenting thriller um, and I, I really highly, highly recommend you guys check out Killing of a Sacred Deer. Um, but yeah, I have really no problem with Barry Keegan playing the Joker. I mean, obviously my first choice would have been Willem Dafoe, but the writers and, and Matt Reeves clearly Willem Dafoe, cause I'm sure they probably explore that opportunity. Maybe they even talked to him about, you know, what they could do, but I guess ultimately I think they decided that. Willem Dafoe and an actor like him, one of the best actors in the world, but maybe that kind of actor, the way he looks, how old he is, maybe, maybe that didn't fit the vision of ultimately this, this three film arc that they want to build. So I trust them and, and, and they clearly think Barry Keegan is the right guy for the job. And, and he is an incredible actor. As I mentioned, the killing of the sacred deer, Dunkirk, uh, he was in Eternals. He's actually one of my favorite characters in Eternals. I liked his character, uh, Druig. Um, yeah, no, he, he's a really, really talented actor. And, you know, his laugh was, uh, it was nothing crazy. Um, there were some reports that described it as hyena-like. That definitely uh, is, a, is a bit much, a little bit overdramatic. I, di I didn't get that when I watched it. Um, it was pretty interesting, though, because Matt Reeves was in an interview recently discussing um, this tease, this cameo, whatever you want to call it. And yes, he did confirm that that was the Joker that we saw if it wasn't already obvious enough. Um, and he said that this Joker is going, is born with a condition 
that makes it so he never stops smiling, right? And basically, he, he was trying to explain that, like Batman, like all these very popular IPs and characters, the Joker has been done before many, many times, right? Jared Leto, uh, Jack Nicholson, obviously Heath Ledger, who I still think is the best Joker we've had, uh, and then Joaquin Phoenix. So you want to find a way to distinct yourself and separate yourself from those other iterations, which we've already, which we we are seeing in this film with Batman. But how are they going to approach it with Joker? Now, we don't fully know. You don't really get to see Barry Keegan uh, very well. You you roughly see his face, um, but it's most definitely him, and it's most definitely the Joker that they're teasing. Uh, some people I've been hearing some people complain like, really, we got to go through Joker again? Like, come on, we we have a Joker, Joaquin Phoenix, right? And I understand those those criticisms and, and those concerns but look at the end of the day this is batman right this this is in the joker we all know how iconic of a villain that is to batman you cannot do a three film arc of the batman and not have the joker involved in some capacity it just it can't be done Okay, sorry, that, that's a little dramatic. It can be done, but come on, right? Like, you almost need to have the Joker in at some point. And I'll say, I don't think, while we got a tease, I don't think that he's going to be the main villain of the second film. In fact, I think it's going to be Mr. Freeze. Because once again, many discussions, many rumors, many speculation, and even Matt Reese himself has, has admitted his interest in how... Yeah, how, how he has an idea of how he would approach that character. And he said, like, I would really, really like to explore Mr. Freeze because obviously we've seen it with Arnold, but that was a pretty silly, you know, obnoxious take on the character, as was that entire movie was. So it I think it's 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 a really interesting character, and I believe it can be done in this universe. Excuse me. Sorry about that. As I was saying, I think it can easily be done. Not easily, obviously. It is. It is. It will be difficult. It's Mr. Freeze after all. But I think Matt Reese can do it. So, in the Riddler as well, that's another interesting one because we saw the Riddler in this film. Obviously, he was the main antagonist, but we also see that he does not die. He does not like. He's still alive, right? Edward Ashton is still alive, and I do think that we will see him return. You know, albeit. Uh, minor role maybe kind of like how we saw scarecrow from batman begins we did see killian murphy return subtly in uh, other points in the dark knight rises and in the dark knight um those were very very minor appearances i do think if we see the riddler again it'll be um a greater role than something like killian murphy when he returned for his uh, appearances in the other batman films but also not as much as a full-on supporting character it, he'll be he'll have a pretty minor role I guess, if I explain that right. Um, but I do think Mr. Freeze will be, or Mr. Freeze or the Court of Alice. I think they'll explore one of those two uh, storylines, you know, antagonists, whatever you want to call it. And then I think they're going to save the Joker for that third film. I could be completely wrong. We could look back on this and laugh. Um, but here's the interesting thing, though. Literally a day ago, I think, two days ago, they just announced, along with the Penguin TV series, uh, TV series they're doing. They're now doing a Arkham Asylum 
TV series. That's that's a part of this Batman universe. And I think it's very, very likely that we will see the Joker in that, in that series. Maybe he pops up in the finale. That would be a pretty interesting way to, you know, end the, end the show. Uh, but I think we'll see him in that. But I do also think that we are going to see him in the second film. Now, I, I just said I don't think he's going to be the villain of the second film. I, I believe that. But I think we will still see him in the second film. Maybe it's right at the end, kind of what we saw here. But I think we'll see more of him. We maybe even see a full reveal of his face uh, unless we see him first in the Arkham show. Whenever that comes out, I don't know quite know the schedules of that. I imagine that will probably come, though, before the show. But maybe it's a full-on post-credit scene. Maybe he has multiple scenes. Maybe he's a supporting character. But I, I do think that, for me at least, I'm, I'm just going off of my own gut feeling could be completely wrong i think that we will see him as that main antagonist for the third film uh maybe maybe he gets out of arkham and he's the full-on clown prince of crime that we all we all have to use that term about him and maybe he's pulling the strings from behind the scenes and orchestrating all this you know madness and chaos in gotham and then maybe we finally see him and batman toe-to-toe go confront i mean not mean like punches but you know, be, be the full-on main, main antagonist of that third film. Could be completely wrong. Who knows? Um, okay, the final topic of today. Is this film better or worse than The Dark Knight? Now, this is a tricky one. So, I talked about this with my friends yesterday. A couple of them asked me. And I couldn't give an answer right away. I, I still I still had to digest the film. Because it's a lot. It's a three-hour film, right? I The pacing was great. But it's, it's still a lot to take in. I slept on it. I talked about it some more with, 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 uh, with a friend of mine. Cheswin. And I do think this is better than The Dark Knight. I do. And The Dark Knight might have better rewatchability because it is a shorter film but even then you know i might rewatch it tonight and if i immediately want to watch it for a third time then i don't know i don't even know about rewatchability i mean like like i said this is just my opinion obviously um yeah i think as a pure batman comic book film they nailed everything perfectly and while i love the dark knight there are some very, some there's some big gaping holes in that film that to this day still kind of bug me. I'm not a fan of the third act of uh, of the Dark Knight. As much as I love Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger's Joker, I kind of wish we learned a little bit more about his character. I'm sure that was probably on purpose to leave things up for interpretation. Um, and while I love the Dark Knight. Batman wasn't even my favorite part of that film, right? Like, I, I know I just criticized the Joker character a little bit, but aside from that little nitpick, Heath Ledger as the Joker was my favorite part of that film, not Batman. Love Bruce Wayne, love Christian Bale, one of the best actors in the world. He's my second favorite Batman now, but yeah, but don't get me wrong. The Dark Knight is still a top 10, you know, comic book film of all time, um, maybe even top 20 film of all time. So it, it's still one of the greatest pieces of art, cinema, film, whatever you want to call it. It's still fantastic. But this film, if we're just looking at the character of Batman, I think this film is better. I, I, I really, really do. And 
I'll be honest, I'll go, I'll go on a limb. I say it's better by a fair bit. By a fair bit. Not by a lot, but by, by, by a pretty decent amount, in my opinion. Um, like I said, why I, I didn't say this. I'm trying not to be reactionary, right? I, I, I didn't say immediately when the movie and the credits started the roll. I didn't say, oh my God, this is better than The Dark Knight. This is the best movie I've ever seen in my entire life. No, I didn't say that. I kind of said, okay, I don't have an answer yet. I got to sit on it. I got to digest it. I got to just take it all in, process it. And I did. And I, I genuinely do think it's better than The Dark Knight. But anyways, guys, that is the last topic to cap off today's episode. Tell me what you think. Tell me how if you think this is the greatest Batman film or tell me if you think it's the worst Batman film. I want to know your thoughts. So let me know. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk about it in the comments below. Guys, take care. I hope you all have a great and fantastic day. And I will see you on episode 23.